0: Welcome to Looney Engineering, a Canadian software engineering podcast. I'm Chris Naismith, a senior engineer at Hopper.
1: And I'm Andrew Clarkson, a junior software developer at Universe. Okay, so today we're gonna talk about a topic that probably affects you at work more than anything else, more than the stack, uh, more than if it's remote or not, which I guess kind of has to do with this, but the culture at your company. The culture at a tech company has such an effect on your day-to-day, month-to-month, how much you like being at work um, and how much you don't like being at work, um, the respect that you get when you're outside of it. But culture is such an important thing. Uh, a good culture can really make or break your experience at
0: a tech company. Absolutely. Like a, a good like company with a he- healthy culture is going to have people that stay there for a long time, um, you know, almost getting into that sort of lifers mindset, whereas a bad culture, you're probably going to see high turnover. You're going to see burnout from your employees and really uh, sometimes like conflict and just unhealthy resolution to conflict is, you know, kind of some examples you'll see of culture, but also the culture is just, you know, that sort of negative, negative culture. Yeah, culture
1: culture is such a, a wide thing. It can be as small as the the little events, the the Zoom socials or the the meetups. It can be as big as your work life balance, um, your your opportunities, um, things like inclusivity, and and even your pay. Culture can really affect your pay, your visibility.
0: It can have a large effect on your career as a whole. Yep, yeah, absolutely, and. One of the things that can be difficult for someone that's getting into tech is understanding what that culture is before you're even a part of it. Um, You know, it starts as early as you can with like the interviewing process, but it extends even into your, you know, probationary period and your first, you know, three months of onboarding. All of that is a good time to sort of evaluate the company's culture um which extends even into their values which most a lot of a lot of companies will share their sort of culture and values on their website as for if they you know actually uphold those values and culture is a different question um but it's one of those things where it's really great during the interview step in order to ask questions when a company is asking oh do you have any questions about us Asking about the company culture is a a good first step in making sure that you're going into a positive culture.
1: Yeah, it's, uh, you're rarely going to find somebody that when you're in the interview that you say like, a question, I'm going to start that again, asking how is the culture here is never going to get you a truthful response if the culture isn't great. If the culture is amazing, you're going to get the like, you're going to feel that right away. But no person in the right mind that's interviewing is going to be like, oh, it's kind of awful here. Like, you don't want to be here. We've got these things. Some people will be like, hey, it's pretty great. These are some things that we're working on, we're trying to be better at. But I think it's good to ask questions that kind of expose
0: what the culture is like. Um, Talk about what the- asking open-ended questions about culture is going to get you open-ended responses that aren't really that accurate into the culture. And because culture and what is important in culture is different to every person, asking specifics on culture is where you will start sort of getting potential red flags or green flags on a company's culture.
1: Yeah. There's uh, a lot of good questions like that. Um, As a junior, we can ask um, what sort of mentorship opportunities are there? How are people going to deal with my stupid questions? Um, What, what is leadership? uh, What kind of access do I have to leadership and more senior coders? Um, if something like the actual social side of work is important to you, you can say, um, what sort of events do you hold? Do you do a lot of things in office? You can find out like hybrid, remote, um, in office, that sort of thing. Ask the things that are important to you. Because if you just say, how's the culture? They're like, oh, we have a lot of pizza parties and like that's done nothing for you. But if you can ask those specific things that are really important to you, to me, like there's some, there's important things about the sociability of the company, uh, the way the people are and that's good for me. I also ask a lot of stupid questions. I am very shameless about questions. Am I going to get tore up for all the time? I mean, I'll survive if I do, but if it's got a good culture around questions, that just helps absolutely propel me in my own
0: career. Yeah. The other thing, at least for me, is uh, work-life balance. Mm. When I was earlier in my career, I worked at a lot of places where there was always this expectation of working more than 40 hours, Mm. uh, you know, 50, 60. And this can be... Quite common at services companies like agencies where when you're trading time for money, um, it can be quite difficult where a task that we build the client, we said, oh, this was going to take four hours, but actually took eight hours. And oftentimes agencies eat the cost on that. So in order to make up for that, you're working unpaid uh, time to sort of make up for those four hours that it went over. So that answers a bit of this question, but um, you've worked at a, a few different
1: software companies. What are some examples of good and bad culture that you've seen that you personally have really liked and disliked?
0: Yeah, so from a positive standpoint, I'd say a ability to speak your mind um, is a huge one. A lot of places, you know, the opposite side to that is where opinions are not freely shared. So you don't have a diversity of opinion or diversity of thought, which is uh, super important in software because just because one person um, thinks it should be solved a certain way doesn't necessarily mean that that is the best uh, case scenario for either the the customer or even from like a, you know, engineering standpoint. The other thing is, is like work-life balance. Um, that's everything from you know, responding to emails or Slack messages after hours, is there an expectation of responding after hours? Not even just, you know, you have one person on your team who's, you know, it's 7, 8 PM and they're still responding, but is the expectation there to respond outside of their hours? Um, how are people unplugging, maybe not even outside of work hours, but also um, on vacations? You know, I've seen where people are responding to emails on vacation or responding to Slack messages on vacation. Um, the other thing is, is really, I find the socialization with your coworkers. Um, you mentioned, you know, being able to socialize and water cooler, um, hybrid or like in office. I think a lot of companies prefer the socialization in person because it can be easier. Um, but in a lot of ways, if you don't have a good way of socializing virtually one, You know, that's obviously a red flag, but two, there's tons of ways of being able to to socialize and it can be a a red flag from like a laziness standpoint of the the company to not have different avenues for being able to socialize with your coworker, especially outside of your team, which is super important. Definitely. And uh, I think this gains even more importance
1: in our uh, current era of more and more companies being remote. Um, How did you deal with things over the pandemic? How did you make sure that your team was connected? This isn't important for everyone. Um, Just like uh, in-person versus remote isn't important to everyone, but you've got to decide if it's something that's important to you. I love that uh, I have the option. There's no expectation of me going into the office at any point. I have friends at work that are like, come in and hang out with us. And I love that. I can jump on the train. I can go to the office anytime I want. They also uh, encourage but not in a guilting way on Wednesdays, we do what we call collab Wednesdays. They buy lunch. We all go in um, anybody who wants to go in and some people do, some people don't. Um, and it's no big deal, whatever way you do it, but it's really nice to go in and make those human connections and, and actually see those people and, and, and eat and go for coffees and, and do all these things and just collaborate.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I think what, can happen though is when you when you have a difference between an in-person culture and a remote culture that's where you start having these sort of divides because Mm. if you're if you're doing um like an in-person say catered lunch on Wednesdays you might have employees who are hired more abroad um who aren't able to take advantage of those and sort of feel left out right Mm -hmm. like that's you don't want to exclude people from being able to to have that sort of, uh, socialization with your coworkers.
1: Definitely. And we do also just to kind of address that a little bit. We also have online socials and happy hours. And occasionally when we have big projects, we do these big kickoffs and they fly those people in. So I think they do pretty good. At least my company does, um, pretty good at that inclusion of making sure that the team is involved in everything. And then there's those smaller events that happen. And then we do them in different areas as well.
0: Yeah. My previous company, um, I think was a little bit better in some ways uh mm-hmm. to hopper at doing it we used to have team lunches that i think were at least once a month remote and yeah. we all had our i can't remember we used divi which is like a company credit card where everyone gets their own and you would actually request funds in order to pay for lunch it was kind of like rather than doing an expense submitting that and then okay. doing it that way you would say hey i need 30 bucks for lunch it would get approved it's on your card and then you can use that For lunch, which was nice. Oh, that's Um, cool.
1: And then, would you have like a a
0: remote lunch, like a Zoom kind of thing? Exactly. So we we would do a Zoom lunch. Maybe it would be like a lunch and learn, or it's just you know shooting the shit for an hour, hour and a half. We played uh, games. I remember doing. um, What's that? uh, Oh, it's that game where you uh, one person is the imposter. Um, You know. Oh. Yes, yeah, among us. Yeah, so, so we um, we would play like games over lunch fun. and be able to interact with our coworkers and yeah. you know we'd be sitting there. Sometimes we would have like cameras off as we're you know eating our food of and course. stuff like that. But uh you know, as people finished off their lunch, then they would uh, turn their camera back on. And what was especially nice is it wasn't even required to buy your lunch for that meal. Because sometimes people would have like a microwave lunch so that that it was there on time. And then maybe they would buy themselves dinner or lunch the next day. And so you still had those funds that didn't have to be at that time, which was super, super cool. I
1: like that. That's really cool. Um, What other things have you had at companies that have been like, this makes you feel good? It's often the like little things. Obviously the big things are what affect you every single day. Um, But what are the little things have companies done that you've
0: been like, "This, this makes me feel good. I feel cared for. I'd say a big one. uh, This is like very tiny, but I've worked at places where you have to track your hours. Um, Mm -hmm. And it was like on a ticket, you would say, Oh, I spent four hours doing this, or I do eight hours doing this. Um, And they had a lot of like tracking that was in place. And what that sort of felt to me as an employee is that I wasn't trusted in order to do work. And they always said, Oh no, this is so that in the future we can look back and figure out, oh, it took this long to do this task. And so it might take this long to do that task. Um, But what it felt is that I had to account for every hour in my day. And if I didn't, I would be questioned on, well, why did you only spend seven hours working on this day instead of eight? Um, Whereas after, especially after getting outside of the agencies um, and working at product focused companies, it was way, there was way more trust and way more autonomy on, you know, if I spent five hours one day working, if my work's getting done, then that's all that matters. Or if I only worked five hours one day and I wanted to work nine the next, I was welcome to do that. It, it's, it there's a trust relationship. And I think that's something that's really huge is making sure that your employees, you trust them and that they also feel that trust because you can trust your employees as But if they don't feel trusted, then what's the point? Trust
1: is such a huge one. And this was one that really blew me away about Universe. I come from some blue collar, some retail, some service, some all sorts. I've had piles of jobs in the past, but I was blown away by the level of trust that is put in us. Like we're actually treated like adults. There's no one breathing down my neck. There's no one watching the little green dot because I'm online or offline. Um, there's no questioning why didn't this get done or or what are you doing or where are you on this day or why do you need a day off? I've had all of those issues at previous companies, not the green dog because this is the first time I've worked remotely. But this has been right from the beginning. On my second day, my lead said, hey, um, hours, uh, work whenever you want. It doesn't make a difference to me. Get your work done. Um, Reach out if you have problems, make your meetings. And I was like, Oh, sure. Yeah. Okay. Like, I wanted to believe it, but I felt it It was very difficult. It took me months before I truly embodied that and believed it. I felt like I had to be here. I had to be showing up and making myself visible. And the longer I've been at this company, the more I've realized that what she said was the total honest truth. That is the way it is. And it feels once I kind of came to not came to terms with that, once I actually believed that, all of a sudden, Work was so much better. I was getting so much done. I felt really good about it. If I worked a couple extra hours, it was no big deal. If I had to do something in the middle of the day, it was no big deal. There was no difference
0: in my own personal evaluation. I was getting my stuff done. Absolutely, it's it's that like flexibility from both sides, really. Um, and the other thing uh, to extend that I'm a huge fan of is just communication of like, hey, I'm unavailable. Um, I've seen mm-hmm. where coworkers of mine who have kids, they're like. It's not even just hey i'm sick it's hey the kids are sick and i need to take care of the kids and everyone's just like yeah take care of them you know we'll see you tomorrow or maybe you know whatever it is maybe you're splitting responsibilities with your spouse and uh you're like hey i'll be out for the morning and my wife will take care of them in the afternoon but even to a standpoint of there's no requirement to share those personal details where you're just like hey i'm gonna be unavailable for the morning and they're like cool there's no putting it into you know, like an HR software saying I took a half sick day, there's none of like it's just, hey, I'm gonna be unavailable. And they're like, all right, see you. let us know when you're back. <laughs> you know, yeah. that's that's what's great. Um to and to extend off of that, we actually had, and this is obviously a different scenario, but we had um there was a, a coworker of ours who had a death in his family. And we didn't actually know until I think it was day or sorry, the, the managers knew, I should say that, the managers knew, um, but the employees didn't know that what was going on until about like day four. We're just like, hey, uh, so-and-so hasn't been here for a couple of days. Is this everything okay? And they're like, oh yeah, there was, you know, they'll, they'll be out for the remainder of, of this week and next. And you're like, okay. Um, but there's none of this like, it's not like day two and you're like, hey, where is this person? Like this right. is, it, it was a couple of days later and you're just like, hey, I just happened to notice, you know, that they haven't been online. Is there any issues, um, but there was no expectation of having to make up that time after. It, right. it was, um, you know, it, it's very relaxed. And I think part of it is this is one of the few companies that I've worked at where there is enough people employed on the team where you don't feel like, oh, if I take time off, no one is going to be able to do my work because not everyone isn't able to do their work. You know, there's too much work for the amount of people here. Mm-hmm. Whereas that's not a requirement here. If, if something is supposed to be done by Friday and for whatever reason, you can't get it done due to other obligations, either someone else picks it up or it gets pushed, which is, I think a great culture. Yeah. And that's, that kind of leads
1: into another point of good culture, creates good culture and that starts very early in the company, but it can also be affected as you go. And what I've really found is the people have been there longer than me. Uh, you see the things that they're doing and you always pick up at a company what it's like there and you will start being like that you will get you will get kind of integrated into the culture so something that really impressed me about this is I come from an industry where it was very like things need to happen we have these times we have to be here at these times we have to hit these numbers we have to have these do deadlines that sort of thing and It's taken me, again, a long while to get used to this. We can move a little bit slower and we can do it right, rather than moving very quickly and it often going wrong, which I know there's the move fast and break stuff kind of uh, idea too, but it's been nice to see other people treated really well and in turn treat me like that. When I have something personal going on, um, they can often relate and I feel comfortable telling my lead, hey, this is what's going on in my life. And she will go, deal with it, do whatever you got to do. And she often can be like, hey, this is something I dealt with. She can give me a bit of a story. So it's not even like, yeah, I'm going to make sure you're taken care of, but I have also been taken care of. And I'm telling you, it's okay to take that time off. It's okay to do what you have to do. We're still going to be here. Work is still going to be here, no matter how what's going on in your life. And that's whether it's good or bad. It might be, oh, I'm going to my niece's birthday this afternoon. Totally cool. It might be, uh, like you say, a death in the family. And it's You go take the time that you need and that value feeling valued in the company. It's that, that's a huge culture thing. And that's the kind of stuff that keeps people around.
0: Yeah. The other thing that I feel is quite, um, important when it comes to culture is just where the leadership is coming from. Like is leadership always a top-down thing? Do you have leadership that happens at every sort of level within the company? Um, because some of the most, I say, well, most positive cultures that I've worked in have a level of leadership at each level. Um, and so even if you're a junior, if you're able to provide some sort of like leading on a project, or maybe it's a feature or, you know, maybe you're running meetings, whatever it be, the ability to take on some sort of level of ownership and responsibility is huge if you just have you know a certain certain level that you get to and then that's where those responsibilities start coming into you end up creating this divide between those who are and those who are not and that's that's something where it's great from everything from providing you know, feedback on, let's say like a feature or design or maybe, hey, have we thought of this? And just, you know, trying to have an open dialogue is super important. And if you make it so that only a select few are able to share their opinions, then all you're doing is just limiting the amount of um, voices that are in the room, which is never a good thing. That's that's something else that I've been really surprised by um, in this company, it's getting to
1: the point where I shouldn't be surprised by these things anymore. But right from the beginning, um, things like code reviews, things like put your throw your input in. Like I was brand new a month or two in. And I'm like, should I be doing code reviews? Like, is that a thing that like I I can contribute to? And my director of engineering was like, yes, please, absolutely do. Like, if if you don't understand what's going on in the code, we might be doing something wrong. Sure, we've made it work, but it doesn't mean the code's understandable. And so I started to see right from the beginning, even though it was like taking me time, i a lot longer to do things. There was a value put on the input that i could give even though i had a lot less experience and that has spread out to so many different parts of the the
0: company exactly and your inexperience is going to provide that value it's like you don't have to have experience in order to provide value your inexperience is providing the value because you can question things that aren't inherently obvious um And this is true, like inexperience or just like jumping on a new project that you don't know why things are the way they are. You could, Mm -hmm. let's say a code review, there's like a certain block of code and you're like, hey, why are you doing this? Um, You know, it's not obvious why this is happening. And they're like, oh, that's because of such as such. And, you know, they explain what's going on. Um, But that type of scenario is a perfect example of taking that discussion that happens within a... um, like pull request and moving it into a comment block within the comments so that you can explain like, Hey, this is really weird. Um, the reason that this is happening is because of this such and such scenario. Maybe you link to like a Jira ticket or a confluence page or something like that, that's explaining the oddity of what you're trying to do. Because unless if it's super clear, um, you know, someone is going to have that question later on and by not having context into what's going on, either through lack of experience or lack of uh, context, is a great time to sort of ask those questions. Okay,
1: so when you've got that uh, positive culture, especially for the juniors, and and you're looking at different viewpoints, that really leads into something else important, and that is your diversity, inclusion, equality in the workforce. And this is so important in tech. You see so much of the, the bro tech culture. and yeah, we're two white guys talking about culture and, and we're the ones that benefit by that sort of thing. But it's us who I believe really need to help um, push those things because you do have these issues with bro culture. We need to like fight against those. And I'm not going to get into the whole like whoa that sort of thing. But it's something that when you see it, you can speak out against that and you can really help to uh, shape the culture. Some companies are really good at this stuff and some companies are really bad at it.
0: Yeah. And it has to start somewhere. Like if you're working at a company that's typically, you know, all male, um, maybe it's asking just like questions. And I think this comes into some previous, you know, examples that we said we're asking questions isn't shamed on. So being able to say like, Hey, how do we go about sourcing our candidates? You know, how do we, what, maybe our interview process is inherently flawed in the way that we're hiring. Um, Maybe it's the fact that, you know, it. maybe it's a chicken egg. The fact that we can't hire female candidates is because we don't have any female employees. Mm -hmm. And why why would someone want to be the first? You know, it's kind of one of those things. Or lack of representation even during the hiring process. I've seen Mm -hmm. places where they do have a fair amount of diversity, but the interview process doesn't reflect that. And then what does that say? about as you present the company externally, if you're not presenting your diversity as a part of that, even. Um, I've I've spoken
1: to women who very much have called that out. They're like, I like this company. I like what they're doing, but there are no women that work there. And that speaks very loudly. It's amazing. If you can be the first one, if you can start affecting that change. But I also understand that can be so difficult. You might be getting yourself into something that is going to be really hard.
0: Yeah. it it is and you know there's so many different layers to it because it could be maybe maybe yeah there is representation for whatever group that you're looking at at maybe the ic level but maybe any of the managers or executives in the company there's a lack of diversity and inclusion at that level and every step of the way there can be probably room for improvement Um, but it it ultimately ends up being like what is important to you and trying to even if it's starting small, I think there's, as I said, there's, there's always room for improvement. And I think if you can, if you want to be that change, then be that change and having a culture that supports that type of change and open thought of being able to address concerns and figure out solutions is what will make a positive culture rather than just saying, no, we like things the way they are. Let's dive into that.
1: Um, affecting change again at a good company um, with with the kind of culture that you want to work at, it's going to be you're going to have the opportunity to affect change there. But sometimes you'll end up at a company that isn't quite that fantastic at this, and it is going to be difficult. Or maybe you are the senior and you're kind of looking at the company and you're like, oh, "There's some problems here." Like. How do you start addressing that? How do you start making those small changes to start building some momentum, to build a company that has a better culture, that is more inclusive, that that does all those things that companies should be doing?
0: Yeah. um, I think the first step would be making it, sort of creating like a judgment-free zone, being able to like voice opinions on where you think either the company is falling flat or where you can make improvements. I think this comes into, something that a former manager said to me, and I think I've actually said it on this podcast, is don't come to me with problems, come to me with solutions. And Absolutely. I don't think that that's always possible. This was more on the tech side, is don't yeah. come to me with having this problem. But if you can say, hey, I think we have an issue here, and I think we can improve it by doing X or Y, um, a lot of places will say, cool, let, let's try it out, let's, let's see what happens, mm-hmm. and you know, that's that's great. Um, but being able to like voice that is sort of the first step and making sure that other people have buy-in. And I think that's going to like a manager or something and bringing up that concern and then seeing if you can get the leadership either within your team or more sort of company-wide of being able to make that shift. Because most likely you as an individual, um, unless if it's a very small company, will have a hard time making big culture impacts on the company. Um, it starts small, you know, it starts in your team and then maybe it extends out to multiple teams within your unit. And then maybe you can start looking at like company-wide impact.
1: That's, that's a really great way to do it. And goes back to something that we've spoken about in on, again, on this podcast about building those relationships within your company, uh, especially above you. Because if you feel that you have that trust of your leadership team, chances are, It might not affect whether they listen to you or not. Hopefully they do regardless. But it's going to make you feel better about going to them. You're going to feel more comfortable addressing these things. So it's just one of those things that kind of leads into other things are going to happen. You can go to your lead. You can go to uh, your engineering manager and say like, hey, I think we should be doing this. I'd like to maybe lead something that's going to work on these parts of our culture. And I mean, any, any manager should look at that. That's a great idea. Um, not everyone's going to. Sometimes you're going to get shot now, uh, but, but that's kind of the risk you have to take sometimes.
0: Absolutely. And who knows, maybe you've brought up, like you've identified a problem and maybe identified a potential solution to it. And that manager might say, hey, we've actually tried to fix that this way before mm-hmm. um, and it didn't work in the past. And it, maybe it caused other sort of problems. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, just that open dialogue, super important. Um, what I actually think is much more difficult is trying to either maintain a current company culture or grow a culture in a positive way when you're working at a place that's rapidly growing. And Mm -hmm. so, Andrew, I think your company much different than mine, where I don't think you guys are rapidly growing at this point, are you?
1: Um, We're not in the way of like, we are a startup and we're like doing multiples. Um, We have a, a pretty established culture, a pretty established business, and it's more of a What can we build on from those things? So it's not like, oh, we're doing 15 times better this year than we did last year. We're doing those double percentage points in growth. Um, But because we're already such a huge company, there's so many things that have been put in place already. And something that really impresses me about, and I'm talking about Ticketmaster, which is my parent company. Um, The things that they do really trickle down to all of us. I've always been impressed with the culture. And I've mentioned this to a lot of people uh, who've been there longer. Like, I'm trying to kind of suss it out. Like, why is it like this? Why is it so good? What have you done here
0: to make this culture so impressive? Yeah. And on my side, like with Hopper, it has been growing. And especially on my side in the in the corporate uh, travel side, we were at one team uh, 10 months ago. And now we're already at three teams and that's looking wow. to continue growing. And so the question is, is pop or uh, corporate is going to have its own sort of subset of culture because yeah. that's just how things happen. Like each sort of part of like the Russian nesting doll is going to have its own micro culture that exists within it. And part of it is as, as corporate grows, how do you, make sure that the culture of the sub teams, the sub verticals within corporate continues to, um, continues those values and just, you know, keeps that openness, um, which is very, very difficult. And part of it is of course, during the hiring process, you know, you want to, if you have a culture that you're wanting to meet, then you need to ask questions during the interview process that directly relate to that culture that you're trying to instill. And the other thing that I've seen some companies fail at is hiring candidates who pass the technical with flying colors, but don't pass the culture. Mm-hmm. And if you hire someone who doesn't pass the culture, then that has potential implications. And who knows, maybe maybe it's fine. You know, if someone just slightly doesn't pass culture, but if you hire someone that directly goes against the values that the company has then it kind of says two things one like what does that say about your you actually valuing those values because if you're not then it's it's easy to say we value diversity but then only hire males right Right. like that's those are two different things um but uh you know making sure that you're when you're screening candidates and interviewing and all that sort of stuff, you need to to make sure that this is someone who is going to continue to uphold what we value.
1: Yeah, I think that's really important because something that you, you kind of touched on there, if you bring somebody in who doesn't match the culture, you're not just going to affect that person. They're not going to fit in really great. They're not going to have a great time. But you're going to start rubbing other people the wrong way. So you've got people there that love the culture. They're there. If they're there long-term especially, this is like they enjoy this culture um, and the work. Everything is going on with it. But if you bring somebody and you really starts kind of getting people's back up about things or they're like, this is kind of weird, or they're making weird comments, or like they just don't fit in. And, and I don't say don't fit in as like, oh, they're all one of us. But like when it comes to your culture and the way that you work and the way that you get things done – all of a sudden you can have these people at the company that are just like, oh, this is kind of weird. I don't like working with this person. Or like, this is, this is kind of odd. There needs to be that openness. There needs to be the, yeah. Oh, yeah, we can work with different people. We can, work. you don't want to hire a bunch of clones. Exactly. exactly. There's a That's fine it. line
0: between creating, uh, hiring people that fit the culture and creating an echo chamber. You know, you don't want to create an echo chamber where everyone has the same thought. And that's just what is expected because that's also a negative culture. Um, But if you like, here's the thing is if you, if you have a very open sort of working environment and you hire someone who has a very closed mindset, um, then that will create friction within the team. And it actually has two sides, like one. You might end up wasting resources, hiring someone. They don't work out. Maybe you let them go. Maybe they leave themselves, whatever it be. Right. Um, But you also have the potential of running into the people that are in love with your culture and are positive for it. They might, they might end up leaving. And so you have this like double effect where you bring in a negative culture and someone that's portraying positive culture ends up leaving. And then so it has a compounding effect where, okay, now that person is in the company, maybe they're also involved in hiring and now they hire someone else who has a different type of culture. And very quickly, that's, that's one of the issues with rapidly growing is trying to maintain that positive culture um, can be quite difficult because if you're having a lot of people come in the door, it's very hard to make sure that all of them are going to meet. Whereas if you're just, you have one open role, you can be a little bit more picky on who's coming in.
1: Yeah. And that's where I think it's important for a company, this is at the the management level, to define what is important to them in culture, what they're looking for in people, <clears throat> as well as have that, uh, that commitment to diversity, to let's not just hire all the same people, let's hire people that fit within these positive values that we have, which we can be all sorts of different things.
0: Yeah. And You know, we talked a little bit about different types of uh, diversity, but the something that I didn't want to touch on that we haven't talked about yet is even just diversity of experience is a huge problem that I see some companies facing where everyone wants to hire seniors because it's too expensive in order to onboard a junior engineer because, oh, it's going to impact, you know, the work of the seniors. Mm -hmm. And but here's the thing, though, is I've seen so many places that spend so much money in the interview process to bring on a senior. Mm. When they could bring on a junior, maybe it's half the rate, you know, whatever, whatever the salary cost is. But someone that is more junior is also going to have faster growth than someone that's a senior. Um, right. Because in a year's time from now, they are going to maybe be double as efficient as they were when they first started. Whereas someone that's maybe more senior, they might be. 1.2 or 1.5 times as efficient because now they understand the business and like all of the the processes. But a junior is gonna go through that exact same thing and also have the compounding experience because their years of experience are going to be uh much more greater in terms of um growth.
1: And you get to shape them to your company.
0: Exactly. And you they're get- likely
1: much more open to those changes and that shaping and that experience.
0: Yeah, I've seen this in like the the trades where it's sometimes preferred to hire someone with no experience because you can train them how you want versus hiring someone that has more years of experience because they come with, that's not necessarily say like bad habits, but that's just say like alternative ways of doing things that is maybe less preferred. Absolutely.
1: So another part of uh, culture that can be very important especially for the junior developer and this has been so important to me uh, in the very beginning of my career here i mean i'm what 10 months in but is a learning culture and there's a lot of ways to suss this out in the interview process but having a culture of learning and mentorship and them actually wanting you to do well and not well in like oh you actually contribute to the company but well in like You've learned what's going on here. You understand the business. We have we give you time, whether it's that like 10% time or uh, time every day to spend some time learning or diving into things or doing courses. And some companies will even pay for it. But that whole culture of learning is huge because it's not just expected that you know everything already.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And there's so many different things that you can learn. Um, you know, we in tech things are constantly evolving. Um, the The libraries, the frameworks, the you know, going from on-prem to cloud, all of this sort of stuff. and even learning one cloud versus another, totally different, right? The services that are offered, constantly new services, getting out of <laughs> you know there's there's always so much to learn. Um, but even for more senior um, engineers, you know, I've seen where people who are wanting to go into more leadership positions, let's say either becoming uh, a team lead, uh, an engineering manager, maybe going into like staff principal engineers where they're having to like uh, lead technically. Um, and the old school way of doing things is, you know, it was just natural born leaders who were promoted into management. And there was a post actually from a, uh, a former um colleague of mine who was talking about like, you know, the, like Gen Z millennials are, you know, people think like, oh, they're asking too much for training and this. And for, I think for the first time, like people are asking for training for things that aren't just even like practical skills on the, well, leadership is still practical, but you know, it's not just like, how do I do my job? It's like, how do I, how do I be a good leader? How do I, Mm. um, motivate my coworkers? Or how do I motivate my reports in order to, uh, to be effective? And there's always different types of training that are available out there. And what I see as a a good culture is promoting that type of um, growth mindset of being able to be like, maybe you're good like you're a solid engineer, but maybe you do want to work on your leadership skills, so that that way you can communicate more effectively with your coworkers or communicate more effectively with your manager or skip level, or maybe you want to continue growing and manage a team and you know how making sure that those people are prepared. And I think there's two sides. There's one supporting that, but then there's the other side of just like providing the knowledge that that is something that you can pursue is super huge on culture is making sure that people um, are aware of the opportunities presented to them in order to continue growing. So that's, that's a really interesting one that we haven't touched on that actually happened at Ticketmaster recently.
1: And we're actually in this again right now is there is a very big focus on employee feedback. And what they're doing right and what they're doing wrong. And I used to think these uh, these company surveys that went around, they were such a joke because the companies that I worked at just looked at them like, oh, we're doing okay. And that was it. But the most recent one that went around that was specific for Universe, they do Ticketmaster Y, but then they kind of segment it down by, uh, by the different um, business units and uh, the different um, sectors of the company. And... They actually look at it and they actually present it at one of our all hands meeting or one of our town halls and they say, hey, look, this is the thing we're not doing as well at. It might be that 85% are happy with it, but that was the lowest number. And they say, how can we do this better? And then there's an open conversation on it and you can say, hey, I, I would like to do these things more or the reason that this kind of uh, reminded me of this is because last year's was learning and development. The lowest one was people were saying, I don't think there's enough opportunities for learning and development. And when I saw the numbers, I was like, that seems like most people are very happy with it, but it's this, let's always be better at things. So part of the culture, they want—they actually want people's input and then they actually use that input and they, they action on that. They're like, let's do something about it. And this has resulted in all sorts of initiatives across the company in order to help boost those numbers so that people are happier with that. It's not just about boosting the numbers and feeling good about the numbers. It's people are actually happy with that. Um, There's been new programs, new initiatives, um, new ways to meet other people and understand all the benefits and the perks in the company. And I just thought that was really cool.
0: Absolutely. And I think what's funny is, you know, you mentioned, let's say like 80% of people are happy. The 20% of people who maybe are not unhappy, but know that things could be better, those are the ones who are also going to be the culture uh, cultivators at your company, the ones who are wanting things to be better. Mm -hmm. Um, And if you aren't trying to make things better for those people, those are the people who are going to leave and go elsewhere and create better cultures at those companies. Because if you have a a company of people who, you know, they don't want to learn new things, they don't want to learn new skills, they don't want to, Um, be promoted and you know have a basically having the excuse of that's not my job um, those are obviously not the people that create a positive work environment like i think i think you're going to have those people anywhere that you go Um, but if everyone has that sort of mindset it's it's not going to create a great place to work and it can be everything from compensation is super important to just i If I had the ability to learn more, I would be okay to take a pay cut. If it meant that I always felt like I was not necessarily being challenged in a negative standpoint, but if I always felt like I was growing, I would take a pay cut in order to always feel like I was growing Mm -hmm. rather than to be feeling like, okay, I'm just, I'm being paid to do this nine to five and then that's it. Yeah. And that's the thing
1: for some people and it's okay for some people, a job's a job. You go in, you put in your hours, you do your work, you do a good job, and you leave. And that's it. Not everyone needs, needs all this from it. But uh, to, to wrap up everything that we've talked about this, I think it's important to decide what is important to you, what you want out of a company. And if it's very little, that's okay. You're probably going to be able to work at more companies. But that can lead into working at places that you find out a little bit further down the line, this isn't what works for me this
0: there are things that are important to me so that absolutely (laughs) that's actually how that's how i started is i wanted a job so that i could get my foot in the door and then i found oh this isn't what i like in this company and i went to a new one and then from there it was much different also didn't like it (laughs) so Mm -hmm. i went to a new company and very quickly i started identifying either potentially patterns in places that i didn't like things that i could tailor my interviewing process to screen out companies that I wasn't interested in. Um, but you, yeah, you, I think at a certain point, and this is sort of outside of culture, but once, once you're compensated enough, you can start looking at things like culture because you can be like, okay, I'm being paid fairly. Um, now I want to make sure that not only am I paid well, but I want to make sure that I'm enjoying what I do, uh, day in, day out. Um, and so being able to make sure what you find as important and ask those questions and try to make change if you can, is super, super important. Cause if you're unhappy where you're working, you know, there's other places out there that would be enjoyable. That's right.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. All right. So that has been episode 11 of Looney engineering. Uh, Chris and I talking about culture, good culture, bad culture, how it can affect you, uh, how to spot a good culture, good questions to ask, um, how you can affect the culture, how the culture is going to affect you. Um, Anything else you want to add to that, Chris, before we wrap it up? I'm just thankful that we weren't playing a drinking game with culture. Oh, Lord. For all the times we said culture. Okay, so anyone who wants to rewind and do this, take a quick drink.
0: (laughs) Please please, do not encourage that behavior. (laughs) You're going to
1: hurt yourselves because we probably said culture like 1,700 times. Culture, culture, culture.
0: There we go. Yeah. All right. Well, that has been that. Um, Yeah. With uh, thanks for listening, please make sure to subscribe on your platform of choice, Spotify, Apple, um, whatever podcast player that you're in listening to right now, and then leave us a review. Uh, It always helps out the show. Uh, Reach out to Andrew or myself uh, for, you know, feedback on the show, anything that you'd like us to talk about in the future. We honestly, one of my favorite things is just hearing about the amount of, um, positivity that we're affecting. I've had so many messages from listeners, um, like yourself who have reached out and said, Hey, I'm interviewing right now. And that episode that you did was super helpful for me. Um, you know, I'm still looking, but like I've, it's completely transformed the way that I'm interviewing and it's, it's honestly remarkable, um, just hearing that sort of feedback and is part of the reason why we're continuing to make these episodes. It's, it's not for me and Andrew, but it's for people that are listening.
1: I love it. I absolutely adore when I get a message in my LinkedIn inbox, that somebody saying, I just listened to episode number, whatever. And I love this. Like it, it makes my day.
0: All right. Well, thanks for listening. Um, catch you soon. Bye. Yeah. See you next time.